0: Hey guys, welcome to this week's podcast. So I listened to what you guys had requested and I separated the interview from the podcast starting last week. And my first was Mike Matei, which is pretty awesome, because I've been a fan of his for a long time. So, from now on, anything that has an interview in it or is focused around it will go into that playlist on YouTube, and then the weekly podcast will just be separate. I'll also eventually go back and separate all of the interviews from the podcasts and give those their own video and link, which is probably best for the long run anyway, because a lot of the stuff that I talk about weekly might not be relevant, but the interviews will be, so... It's probably all works out in the end, but uh, thanks for the suggestion, I just try to do whatever you guys would like. Um, also uh, sorry, but I forgot my webcam at home, so once again I am back to the camera capture card trick, so the frame rate's probably all messed up or something. Sorry about that, but I'll be back next week with the normal one. Uh, but anyway, let's start out with the news. First up is something I forgot to talk about last week. It's a game called Full Quiet that's a brand new NES game up on Kickstarter. And they've already made three times the asking amount, so it's definitely going to be a reality. So anybody that likes old NES adventure-style games, definitely check this out. Last week, Nintendo uploaded the digital manual for Star Fox 2, which is bundled with the upcoming SNES Classic. And with it, they showed a rare glimpse into design docs for it, which is not something Nintendo normally shares like that. So it was a pretty neat thing to flip through, Uh, and if anybody is interested in Star Fox 2, definitely check out the link. Someone on a Russian forum just uploaded their version of Resident Evil for the Genesis. And it's pretty neat. Um, it was definitely cool to flip through the pictures and just see, uh, see somebody else's take on it. So I hope it becomes something we could download and play. And uh, thanks very much to Alex for sending it in. Just since the last podcast, Extremes has posted two more updates to the Game Boy Interface software. So, the first one adds support for the GameCube steering wheel and Active Life mat, and then the latest one adds scaling and zoom options to the low latency version, as well as added a memory card boot disk support, which is more for the Home Brothers loader. Um, so, as always, man, thanks so much for all these updates and for keeping this going. I absolutely love the GBI software. I know I say that every time I talk about an update, but, you know, he's not paying me to say this. I really mean it. That's why I say it. So, thank you for all the updates and... Everybody who has a GameCube and a Game Boy player should be using it. It looks like someone found a prototype of Die Hard 64. So, obviously, for the N64. Um, and apparently it's playable and works on the Everdrives too, so, uh, it's really neat. I always love seeing glimpses into games that could have been, and, uh, it's always very fun to see. Even if it's not a great game, like, uh, Thea Realm Fighters, it was really awesome to play that on the Jaguar, but terrible game. So, anybody that's interested in Die Hard 64, definitely check it out. Corey from My Life in Gaming was just featured in an interview on SEGA 16 regarding their Night Trap documentary. And it was a very cool interview, Corey's a great guy, I really enjoyed hanging out with him that time in New York, and uh, I'm glad that they're getting the recognition for that, because what an incredible documentary. So if you guys even like Night Trap even a little bit, definitely check out the the documentary and their work on it. Crix has just confirmed that the new Game Boy Everdrive X7 does not work with the Game Boy Pocket. Um, I tried mine, I literally, this is only the the second time I took it out of the box, Uh, it's still brand new, I pulled it out just to try it with my Game Boy Pocket, and I can confirm it didn't work with mine, Um, and he said that a, a new hardware revision will fix it, it should be here in about one or two months. And he said if you bought the cart before September, so before he confirmed that there's a warning, that you could swap it out for the new version if you have a Game Boy Pocket. So um, I haven't tried this on anything other than that and then one other just to make sure that mine wasn't defective. But uh, I'm sure by now if there were any other incompatib- incompatibilities, we'd hear about it. So I'm uh, glad that he's offering the exchanges. And, you know, sometimes this stuff just happens when you're trying to be one person making a product for a ton of different solutions. The team behind the RGB Pi has just opened up a subreddit that's in English, uh, which is pretty cool because um, that way you know you don't have to worry about Google Translate to try to figure out stuff for you know people like me that only speak English. Um, and I, I have very limited use with all of those, but from what I did try, the RGB Pi was pretty awesome. So uh, really looking forward to finally getting in and doing some kind of full comparison between them and really putting them through their paces. It looks like someone stumbled across a Magna Fox Odyssey in-store display. Um, and it was just kind of funny to see like a, an Odyssey kiosk because... You know, growing up, I just remember always seeing the latest technology, which for me would have been like maybe Atari, but definitely Nintendo, Game Boy, and anything around that. So it's just it's kind of neat to see like a, a kiosk of something that's that's before even I was born, I think. Um, but it's a cool video if anybody wants to look at it. And uh, thanks to Eleven Numbers on Twitter for sending me that link. Unseen, the creator of the GC video project, has just teased a screenshot for version 2.4 firmware that he's currently working out that has a few features, including sync on green output, which might be a help for people that are trying to use um, uh, certain video cables in certain scenarios. So uh, thanks so much to him for continuing to support this awesome project. So uh, I'll let everybody know as soon as there's uh, an official release, and hopefully I'll get a chance to test it. Saint from Retro HQ has just posted in regards to the JAG-SD project. He said he's just added an FM sound YM-2149 core, which means that you should be able to play the Atari ST ports through his ROM card as well. So uh, if you told me a couple years ago that I would be getting really excited to play stuff on the Jaguar, I probably wouldn't have believed you, but I'm getting really excited to play stuff on the Jaguar. (laughs) It looks like someone just posted a patch so Sonic Mania could be run in 4x3 mode, which is really cool if you want to try to run it on a VGA monitor or even in 240p on an RGB monitor. But I actually couldn't get it to work, uh, and it seemed really straightforward, so I'm not sure what I could have been doing wrong. Uh, I'm about to throw together a quick video on how to run Sonic Mania on a CRT to give it more of a nostalgic retro look. And the whole video was shot with it playing in 16x9, because I couldn't get it working right. So if anybody has any thoughts on that, please let me know. Or maybe it was just my laptop, how I was doing it. I don't really know. But either way, it's very cool. So that way you could play it with a, a real nostalgic feel. Um, Christian Whitehead did actually tweet about that, though. And he said, while you can do it, the game is really designed to be played in 16x9 mode. And to be honest, I mean, I I'd like the game a lot. And I'd don't really care either way. I mean that in a nice way. Like I just, I want to play a great Sonic game. And if it happens to be on my flat screen, totally cool with me. Calindro just posted a basic but cool hack for Alex Kidd for the Master System. It just reverses the buttons, so one works as two and two works as one, which actually makes it play more like the 1990 original release. Um, And I love little stuff like that. I mean, this is the reason that I love ROM carts. You know, I like Alex Kidd in Miracle World, um, but... Just, like, even if I loved it and it was my favorite game, to be able to have something reversed so it actually plays a little more like it should, I would always use the ROM and not the original. So, uh, thank you to Calindro and thanks to everybody that always makes these amazing ROM hacks. Dan, aka Citrus3000PSI. I'm getting better at saying that without stumbling over my words. That was my first try. (laughs) Anyway, Dan just came up with a pretty cool guide on how to get direct C-Sync out of a PS2. And while his customer wanted it for very specific reasons, I see a ton of potential with this. So in short, it basically, it's working on ways to pull direct RGBS from the PS2's mainboard. And that way you could use one cable for everything, including 480p, without dealing with sync on green stuff. So his guide allows you to do it, and you disable composite video. uh, And he actually has a switch, so if you need composite video, you can have it. And that seems to work fine. You can do it with Luma, uh, but there are some caveats to it. And that's what I want to work on whenever I get some free time. So maybe I could recruit uh, the iFix retro guys to come over and help me work on this with me. But I would love to see Luma made into just C-Sync and cut permanently. Well, not permanently, like on the board, so no plastic cuts. But that way, you could just use a on Luma cable, but you get C-Sync, and 480p goes through it when you uh, when you switch to 480p mode so that's going to take a bit of work because on Green could still get um, mixed in somehow uh, and it's probably nowhere near something I could say let's all make a guide for but as soon as we have some extra time I'll, uh, I'll talk to Dan maybe recruit the iFix retro guys and then we'll all just try to figure this out because while the PS2 isn't my favorite system it is a system I do like to play and I think for everybody it would be so much easier to never ever have to worry about a sync stripper or any kind of sync on green stuff to just have a cable that you could plug directly into your frame meister or directly into your uh 480p compatible rgb monitor and have it work i think that would be awesome so thanks to dan for keeping up some of the awesome projects he's been working on and i gotta get him on for an interview soon you're not you won't escape me yet dan Brian Hargrove just teased pictures of his Neo Geo K2 Video Adapter on Twitter, which is the RGB outputting Neo Geo Pocket, uh, basically um, a consoleized Neo Geo Pocket. I believe those were sent out so people could do reviews and screenshots for back when the console was released, uh, and I've never gotten to play one of those, and I've always wanted to either mess with one myself or see somebody do an in-depth a review on one of those so uh maybe we can get him in touch with the my life in gaming guys and have them do a neo geo pocket episode what do you think guys um, I don't know Brian personally, but uh, maybe if any of you do, you could reach out to him and try to put us all in touch with each other, because I'd love to see like a full breakdown of it what, it, what it really does, and maybe even pass it through Evan Amos to have him take uh, high quality professional pictures of it, because that's one device that I know very little about, and there's very little solid info floating around out there. If there was only a new website coming up where we could post this info... Reggie, the president of Nintendo North America, has urged everybody not to pay more than $80 for the upcoming SNES Classic. After all of the pre-orders failed, and then after he failed everybody last year not making enough NES Classics. So, uh, screw you, Reggie. And speaking of the NES Classic, it looks like it's coming back in 2018. So, um, after eBay scalpers made a gazillion dollars, and after Nintendo got all that free press hype by purposely making something, or not making enough of something and creating hype and demand, now they're probably going to flood the market with it. So, I just feel really bad for the last guy who thought, you know, yeah, I really want one of these, let me just save up and I'll, I'll spend 300 on a hacker, or a scalper, not a hacker, um, and now it's probably just going to be available for 80 bucks again, so... Yeah, what a, Nintendo really dropped the ball with this one. Uh, I guess I'll uh, see how the SNES Classic works when it comes out, too. I'll obviously be reviewing that, but uh, what a clusterfuck. A few people just created a multiplayer online version of Super Mario 64, and it's really neat. I mean, I'd love to see fan projects like this, so if you're a fan of the game and like multiplayer stuff, I would check it out soon because... Nintendo's probably going to take it down right away. I'm sure they're trying to figure out something like that with their own Switch console, so uh, it's probably going to be a direct competitor to something they're doing. So uh, definitely check it out on the quicker side. It looks like the Switch version of Wonder Boy will get a physical release in Southeast Asia and the Middle East, with an English version included in that as well. So that's pretty awesome, because I love Wonder Boy and I would rather have the Switch version, but in kind of an interesting update to that, Omar, who's on the team that created it, just posted in SMS Power uh, that they've been talking to a partner in Asia, but the blog post is the only time he's heard about a price, manufacturer, or release date. So uh, kind of interesting. I wonder how that's going to all unfold. But I would really love to get Omar on here someday to talk about Wonder Boy and all of the work that he's done. So hopefully someday he'll be uh, have enough free time to make that happen. Someone posted the question and answer section of a magazine scan from back in the 90s where somebody asked how to get RGB for a Genesis. And uh, it was pretty funny to see the response. They basically said, uh, bring it to an electrical engineer to make you a cable and you have to find an RGB monitor. Um, And it's actually kind of funny because he said monitors are, are, it'll work with any monitor. I think obviously they were talking about RGB monitors, but I just, I Distinctly remember being an electronics boutique in the Trumbull Mall when I was like 11 years old, maybe 10, and just seeing a display and seeing Sonic just look incredible. And I'm talking to the guy behind the counter. He's like, "Yeah, you got to get an RGB monitor. These things are killer." And I'm trying to figure out what it was. And I did as much research as you know an 11 year old could do without the internet. And um, you know, I didn't realize at the time that the Tandy 1000 computer I had actually had an rgb not a vga monitor so i should have been able to just do a a quick um, uh, build a cable that goes directly to the pins of that rgb monitor so uh, i mean in that probably i mean it's just a basic pin converter so that might have actually been something i could have pulled off back then not well but you know it would have worked um so yeah i don't know i just find it really funny that to read that story and just have my own memories of it and then i completely put rgb out of my mind until i was like i think almost 30 and then just remembered it and wanted to experience the old consoles the best so i don't know i thought that was a fun a fun thing to read and thanks to josh for sending that over to me next smoke monster was on a freaking roll this week he sent me a bunch of really awesome links uh but first uh, his own packs actually got a small update this week the game boy and game boy advance rom packs were both updated and now all of his packs are hosted on Google Drive. The links on the forum are still the same as they always were, but that's pretty awesome because while Mega worked for me, it um, it was a lot slower than Google Drive, and there was a daily download limit, which really sucked when you're trying to download some of those larger packs. So, um, you know, really awesome. Thanks to him for keeping up all that amazing ROM pack work. And uh, a little bit of a teaser, there's Saturn ROM packs coming soon. So I'll I'll talk more about that when they happen. But uh, now, on to the next couple of things, all sent in and researched by Smoke Monster. So, thanks, dude. First up, somebody created a clone of SimCity for the Game Boy Color, but they made it all their own. They didn't just clone the game, they rewrote it from scratch, and it looks like a ton of fun. I hope I get a chance to try that out one of these days. But it's up on GitHub for anybody that's interested. Next, the Genesis video game music ROM project is now reopened because Joe Redifer actually donated a ton of his own packs to the Smoke Monster project. So, uh, thanks to Joe for doing that. You know, always great to see people, you know, giving back to the community. A full ROM dump of the unlicensed Famicom game Miss Peach World was released, and I believe that's just a graphical hack of Menace Beach, which is another unlicensed NES game. So uh, it's kind of weird and kind of strange, but hey, whatever. A NES game called Gutter Protectors was released. And I got to be honest, I don't really understand this one at all. So I believe it was a 3DS game, and now they released a NES version of it. Uh, and I'm, Or a NES ROM version of it. And I, I think maybe I got that right. The site's in Japanese, so I could didn't really understand it. And uh, the forum post, I didn't really grasp most, much of that either. So was it like, did they make a NES game and then put it in an emulator and release it on 3ds or and now that you know i don't really know to be honest i just thought it was neat and maybe if somebody could answer uh what this actually is i would really appreciate it because it looked like kind of an intriguing story so uh, if anybody knows what's going on with that please post down below seemed kind of neat a later version of altered beast for the pc engine cd was found There have been talks of a Rev 2 floating around for a while, but somebody finally found it and dumped it. And apparently it's the same as the original release, but it's compatible with more revisions of the console. So, kind of a neat find. Fabio Rosindo has posted more ROMs that have been patched for use in the EverDrive, so specifically they were games that required paddle controls that now work on regular controllers. So uh, while Smoke Monster didn't send that one in, they're all available in his pack, I believe, so I figured I would end the Smoke Monster updates with that one. So thanks again for sending all those in, dude. I really appreciate it. And for the very last piece of news, this Friday, September 15th, Metroid Samus Returns is being released, so uh, I'm really looking forward to checking that out. I I love all of the side-scrolling Metroid games, and the reviews are coming back, and they're all kind of mixed in that some people think it's too hard, uh, some people love it, some people are kind of just hung up on the original, but either way, I'm going to get it, and I'm going to play the shit out of it, because I love Metroid, Uh, so... Yeah, hopefully I'll be able to carve a few hours here and there to do it. And that is the one great thing about handhelds, is I could just kind of play it anywhere. So hopefully I'll actually get a chance to just play through this one and and not just let it fall to the wayside. But I'll let you guys know what I think, hopefully next week. Okay, on to the Q&As. I'm actually not going to be answering any of the Indiegogo-related Q&As on the weekly podcast, because a bunch of people uh, were pretty upset that I had talked about the Indiegogo campaign and last week's podcast. Um, I kind of feel like they're one and the same. I mean, it's all massive projects I'm a part of, but whatever. Uh, like I said, I just I want to make these weekly roundups to be whatever that you guys want, so here it is. But, um... All of the Q&As coming are just the regular stuff, and if anybody's interested in that from the actual Indiegogo campaign, I'll link the video below, just because it does answer a lot of really great questions. You know, and there was one guy on Reddit that posted some really hard questions, and I was so appreciative that he did, because a lot of people might have been thinking it, but no one asked. Um, So hopefully the... the questions of all ranges really hard really easy whatever i hope they keep coming and i will continue to answer those in separate you know indiegogo related uh q a videos but anyway on to the weekly stuff first up eric hurley asked what's your favorite NES rgb palette i'll be installing a NES rgb kit into my av famicom soon and i just discovered you could flash firmware to it to change palettes um, my opinion on this has changed a lot because palettes are, sub- well, the NES palette is subjective because there was never an official RGB palette for it. And uh, developers often joke that NTSC stands for Never the Same Color Uh, because it could be interpreted very differently. Um, You know, people who grew up with Sony TVs and only Sony TVs might think things look totally different than everybody else, because Sony usually had a different... Sony's usually favored blue in their palettes and in their tuning and calibration of their TVs. I I believe even now, uh, I do remember being at one of the... I think it was Cedia, like, 10 years ago, and listening to a talk about that. But anyway, um, my... Personal favorite now is the package, um, is the firmware package that Firebrand X has up on his website. And it's the one uh, labeled Ness RGB firmware package, Ness RGB, FBX, and Na- Naked Arthur firmwares. Uh, and I believe I like the number one, so it has the um, Firebrand X and Naked Arthur, and then the Sony palette afterwards. and as weird as this is, I actually like different palettes for different games now. So that's something I would never think of for Genesis or SNES because their color palette is, you know, always the same. It's always, you know, it's already made in RGB colors. But yeah, I mean, I I really flip between the three of those when playing. And uh, I usually play NES on my analog NT mini now, which is super easy to switch palettes because you could just dump... All of them in a folder and select as you go but those are what my eyes prefer but there is no right answer it's whatever your eyes like better um, and i think if you start playing with it you'll definitely see some games look better than others with certain palettes and this was most noticeable to me when i first got my play choice 10 modded ness and Contra looked spectacular, and Zelda I thought looked like crap with that colors, with that color scheme. So, um, but yeah, I mean, uh, it's the the great thing is if you get a cheap uh, programmer. And you make the little uh, you have to either solder directly to it or make your own little dongle. Uh, HD Retrovision actually posts on their website a free thing you could download so you could make your own. but you could just flash whichever one you want and you know use whichever ones you prefer. So thanks to all those guys for making all those things available. Next, MMORPG completionist says, As for how the Miiverse might be saved, there's a program called X-Link Kai that's used for web tunneling. So basically you plug your Ethernet cable from your PC into your console and that detects the console and allows you to go to unofficial servers um, like all the fan-hosted ones. I actually remember using X-Link Kai on the original Xbox, I believe, like... 10, more than 10 years ago or something, uh, when it was at its very new stage, and even then it worked good. So that's certainly a potential save for this. Um, and while I love fan projects like that, I am a little bit more concerned with the same thing that I'm sure all of us are, in that what happens to all the digital games we all buy once these services shut down for good? They're just gone forever so um while i love stuff like this and i think it's really important uh, i am a little bit more worried about digital copies of games so uh, but thanks for posting that and if uh, anyone has experience with excellent kai maybe post in the comments down below and lastly sandy starchild posted uh, about oscilloscopes and said there are cheap usb oscilloscopes on ebay that do an okay job if you're having problems finding a cheap one Um, they are not great for video. So you need a high-bandwidth oscilloscope in order to capture video signals properly. And I definitely did my research on this. And uh, the biggest problem I have with buying an oscilloscope is whatever measurements I take are going to be posted online for everybody to reference. So I, I want something that's either brand new and calibrated or used but calibrated by a professional. Because if you yourself are using one that's a little bit off You know, but it's not 100% accurate. And you're just testing to make sure, you know, oh, this cable I made's fine, or, you know, yeah, you know, it's definitely outputting C-Sync and not TTL. That's totally fine. But when I'm posting exact specs and scope captures, which I really hope to get a chance to do on this new website... I want it to be perfect because I don't want people referencing my work and f- just to find out my work's inaccurate. So I do very much appreciate the suggestion and that might be something that uh, if you could find a high bandwidth USB one, other people might be able to use that just for you know basic testing on their own equipment, but I definitely need a, a really good one. And the one I found was like uh, 650 shipped. So hopefully, uh, hopefully I'll get to that eventually. Okay, that's it for this week. So, what did you guys think? Was it uh, was it what you hoped for? Having a shorter weekly roundup, but then. Uh, You know, the interviews separate, Um, I kind of liked it, to be honest with you. I just, my only fear in this at all now is that somebody that I feel people might want to listen to, um, people might skip the interview because they don't know who they are. Uh, That's really my only fear in this now, because I kind of like the freedom of just being able to have a conversation with somebody and say, hey, screw it, let's do an interview right now and it'll post tomorrow or later tonight. But I really did like some of the people that I had on that may not have been known to other people anyway. So I I got a chance to introduce some amazing people to the retro gaming community. But then again, if you didn't know who they were, maybe you didn't wait that long in the episode and maybe you kind of skipped over it. I I don't know, but I'd love to hear your feedback on that. Uh, And also, thank you so much to everybody who contributed and uh, who's been helping me promote the Indiegogo campaign um, you know, I, I promise I'll only mention it at the end. Now I won't waste anybody else's time during the rest of the podcast. But, uh, you know, it's it's off to the exact start that I expected, slow but steady. It's building, um, and there's still a month and a half, more than that, left. And I've reached out to a couple of popular YouTubers uh, who said that they want to do interviews with me and they want to help out. So let's hope that they keep their word. Um, You know, I I know it's really hard because it's not like I have a thing. You know, it's not like I'm saying, you know, well, I want to buy new or make pigtail adapters and this is how much I need. You know, I'm basically selling a half-finished idea and then I have to explain what I'm going to do with the money if I make too much, too little. Whereas if you're just making pigtail adapters, everybody knows what you do if you make a lot of money. You just make more adapters. So it's uh, it's really hard to kind of phrase it in a way where everybody would understand. And, you know, it's kind of, it's also hard because the people that do get it, um you know, they just, they get it and they don't ask any questions. And some of the people that don't really get it um, don't take the time to ask the questions cause they're just like, eh, whatever. And I, I don't blame them at all. I'm a hundred percent guilty of that. So thank you for everybody's support. Um, hopefully we could continue to make this happen. I would really, my end goal is still to do this for a living and to work for you guys. So if that's not possible, uh, I'm not stopping, you know, you're not going to get rid of me that easy. Uh, but it would be very cool if I could. So Uh, Thank you so much to everybody. Let's try to keep this going, and I will see you guys next week.